Get to the church, blind! Get to the church, blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. Hey, church planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for hardcore church planting. What was your tagline? We got to start it off with your tagline. Um, let's see. If what you're called that? to plant a church, go hardcore or go home. That's right. That's right. I made it up on the air. We're sitting there doing this interview and I'm like, you know, we can't use the same like tagline outro that we normally use. I got to make something up. So I made it up on the fly. Not bad, huh? We could, we could make up other ones too. Plan a church. You're stupid. You know, it could be different. I just love how, how go hardcore, go home. It's just so, I don't know. It's so stupid. It is stupid. It's, it's what you get when you make it up on air. I love it. I love it. Well, why don't you introduce let's our make guest? Let's a new one. Let's let's have a uh, a competition. Hey, make up our tagline. Ooh, I like that actually. Hardcore church planning. Give us, you know, it's kind of like the. If Gary we use Shandling your tagline, show. we'll let you listen for free. Okay, there you go. Remember the Gary Shandling show back in the eighties? Oh, they yeah. had a name the Schumacher Baby contest. I did I not just, see it. I'm just a big fan of that. And and Gary Shandling came up with blue suede Schumacher, and nice. his wife wouldn't let him be friends anymore with her husband. So I like it. be something like that. I like it. So, well, Hey, we got a guest, uh, today. Uh, we want to, um, introduce him. Then we're going to welcome him and then we're going to abuse him. And, uh, our guest today is, uh, Brad Briscoe. He is an author. He has written the missional quest and missional essentials, which uh, are both awesome, uh, books, missional essentials. If I do say so myself has an awesome cover which uh, was a, a point of conversation. It's got a cool little skeleton on it. It's not, it's not goth or, you know, I mean, even though Brad has black fingernails and a little bit of heavy, you know, mascara, a little goth look going on today. I made that up and I'm going to make some other stuff up. Um, not only did he write uh, the missional quest and missional essentials, a guide for experiencing God's mission in your life, but he also wrote from uh, brisket to biscuit, the lost art of Dutch oven cuisine. And uh, I just decided I'd make up another title. I'll probably do that every time we have an author on here. So, Brad, man, you are the uh, catalyst for the Kansas City area. You've been doing that for about 16 years. That's pretty rock and roll. you got a doctorate in uh, missional ecclesiologies. Big respect for that, man. Welcome on to Hardcore Church Planning. Thanks, Peyton. Good to see you and Pete again. We always figure that it's good that we're separated by a couple of states because we would probably screw around way too much and get into all kinds of trouble. Yeah, I think the last time we connected, uh, were we at Exponential maybe in Orlando? I think we sat down and uh, three of us had a conversation. Yeah, when Pete was there. And then I, I saw you guys in uh, Colorado not long ago. That's right. The at, conference. Uh, multiply, multiply conference. That's right. That was the one yeah, I was invited to not attend. <laughs> yeah, that's what Peyton. That's what Peyton had shared with the crowd. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Pete's not allowed to come here. 
So, man, welcome on here. You have been training church planners for a long time, and you've been you've been at this for 16 years. So kind of give us your first off. How'd you how'd you come to faith? And second off, tell us about your um, you know, kind of your journey into church planning. Sure. Um, yeah, I actually didn't become a follower of Jesus until fairly late in life. I was about 30 uh, for uh, 13 years right out of college. My brother and I went into the restaurant business together which was kind of a crazy thing. We had, um, we had four frozen yogurt shops and then we also had a, a bakery deli sandwich shop where we did breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We worked a hundred hours a week and, and it was crazy. But in the midst of that, it's, it's a crazy long story. I'll just make it real short. Uh, one of the young guys that worked for us was a believer and he just, uh, was, he just kind of stayed at me for, for about a year, just really sharing Christ with me and kind of challenging the way I was living. And finally, after him pestering me for about a year, um, yeah, I made a decision to, to, to follow Christ. And um, eventually my brother became a believer about six months after I did. And after being in the restaurant business for 13 years, we both decided at the same time to sell everything and, and kind of do something different. So uh, I went to seminary really thinking that I wanted to be a, a professor, and it was in the midst of seminary I realized that God was kind of taking my kind of entrepreneurial spirit, I guess, and uh, and kind of directing it towards, towards church planning. So I was involved in uh, three different church plants real early on, and then eventually went to work for uh, a Baptist network of churches, and as you mentioned uh been doing that now for for 16 years with with what's called the North American Mission Board as a church planning catalyst. So uh, yeah, I tell you, I'm just I am grateful every single day to get to do what I do. Just uh, very fortunate and blessed. Uh, you know what it means to be a catalyst. Really, it's all about recruiting recruiting church planners and partnering churches, and then providing training and resourcing and coaching with planters. So. Um, boy, over the last three or four years, God's just been doing some amazing things in Kansas City. I'd say right now, it, I'm working with about 25 different planters all across the city. So I like to say that's kind of my day job. And then uh, on a strictly volunteer basis, I work for an organization that I know you're familiar with, Peyton, called Forge. Forge uh, is a mission training network that was started about 20 years ago in Australia by Michael Frost and Alan Hirsch. And uh, about five years ago, there's a good friend of mine named Kim Hammond that moved to the States uh, from Australia to start Forge America. So there's several of us that have been uh, working alongside Kim for the last several years, starting hubs, which are nine-month residency, really kind of training hubs in different cities all across the country. And uh, my friend Lance Ford and I run Forge Kansas City uh, here, in, here in the city. So that's uh, that's kind of a a side thing that we do um, that's a lot of fun. It's kind of gives us the opportunity to work with church planters uh, from different tribes, which is um, something I really enjoy doing. So, and then like you said, in addition to that, we do a little writing. Uh, we do try to organize and lead some conferencing just to help kind of disseminate ideas uh, out to people. So uh, the last, really the last two or three years have just been a blessing and, and a lot of fun. That's awesome, man. Tell me a little bit about the residential program that you've you've got going with Forge. How, how does that look? A guy comes for nine months. What's he 
where does he live? What do you guys teach him? What, sure. yeah, what, if a guy's listening going, man, I could use something like that, what's that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, in uh, most all the hubs, it's about pioneering mission. So uh, it's a, a nine-month uh, residency, and sometimes residency is maybe not the best word, but we, we hate to use the word intern, but because it's not someone doesn't live in a particular place other than in the city or nearby. So it's a nine-month training where we work, go through paradigm shifts, I really believe, as, as the church um, – you know, the way I like to say it sometimes that I think we have some deeply held assumptions about God, the church and mission that are often uh, misguided. <laughs> so there's some serious paradigm shifting that I believe needs to take place, not only in existing churches, but it, with church planters today as well. So really the first three months of the nine months is really about paradigm shifting. And then the last six months, we focus on all kinds of principles and practices what it, you know, really, what does it look like uh, to plant a church with a missional DNA that that really embeds itself into a local com community? Um, so most of the hubs around the country, uh, they have have a what again we call a pioneering mission or a pioneering cohort here in Kansas City, and then also in a couple other hubs, uh, we have a second cohort that we just call an existing church cohort. So the way it varies from the pioneering mission or the church planning cohort is it's really geared towards uh, existing congregations that are wanting to, to kind of figure out what does it look like to uh, shift or maneuver an existing congregation in more of a missional direction. So it's all about uh, we've got online curriculum that everybody goes through. We have monthly cohort meetings. We have mon monthly coaching meetings just to help people process the material as they go on this nine-month journey. That's cool, man. And what do they do as far as like uh, when they're give me some stories, like some involvement with some of the uh, the missional pioneering. Let's say you've got a group of guys that, you know, uh, on average, how many guys do you get come through at a time? Yeah, most of the cohorts between 12 and 15 people. I mean, I think that's kind of an ideal size for a cohort. Awesome. And so they're all grouped together and they're going on mission together as a cohort. Right. Everybody. Yeah, we really believe in a cohort process of learning. So now there, you know, sometimes there'll be maybe two people that are part of the same church plant that are going through the cohort, but otherwise we, we might be talking about eight or 10 different expressions in the city that are represented in one cohort. So it's, you know, it's not a whole team for a particular church plant, uh, right. but there may be uh, more than one team member that's, that's involved in a particular cohort. Gotcha. So if these groups are kind of like uh, breaking up into different communities, do those communities become their own church or do they together make up a bigger church, kind of like a SOMA model or how does that usually look? Uh, it's both, uh, but more more likely uh, they are separate expressions of, of church or ecclesia in different parts of the city. So right. we've had cases to where, you know, there were three church plants that decided they, they actually wanted to do their corporate gatherings collectively together. But in most cases they are, um, they're, they're different churches in, in different geographical locations in the city. But there is, I'll tell you, after you go through a cohort, there's some deep relational connections. So a lot of times those church planters continue to work together in, in some way. And the, the thing that's exciting to me is in many cases, they're church planters from different tribes. They're different denominational affiliations. So yeah. it's really cool that they come out of the training with a real sense of, uh, you know, seek the welfare of the city. They really, it's for the sake of the city. So they don't, you know, they don't get too hung up on denominational labels. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. And what's cool is you're, you're in 
you know, you're working for NAM, very much an SBC animal, and yet you're able to to bridge those gaps. And I'm noticing that tendency with SBC. I've been doing some work with them uh, here in LA and in San Diego, and I'm noticing that generosity that they have, at least at least in Southern California, where they're like, hey, we're we're willing to partner with anyone to promote the kingdom of God spreading. That's been refreshing. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I, and I'm seeing more and more. I mean, at, being kind of a part of the tribe for 16 years, I'm seeing more open-handedness, uh, kind of kingdom-minded working together in, in cities, uh, probably today more than ever before. And like you said, that's, that's, uh, it's not only cool to see, but it's essential because no one group or tribe is going to you know, fully impact the city the way that it needs, needs to be. Yeah. Absolutely. So when, when church planners are coming through um, and you're, you're able to mentor them and to kind of point them in the right direction, what are some of the biggest struggles that you see them having? Yeah, wow, that's a great question. Um, I think today uh, it has to do with uh, not front-loading mission is a big piece that they really need to embed in their local context. And they need to listen to their community. They need to listen to God. They need to listen to one another. Uh, you know, in the past, especially when I planted a church, you know, 20 years ago, for the most part, I was just kind of taking a cookie cutter approach of what other people are doing in other, other parts of the country and saying, hey, I want to plant that kind of church in my context. Well, there was a day, even though that probably wasn't right, there was a day that that might have, quote unquote, worked. But we don't live there anymore, I don't believe. Uh, I just so, you know, a lot of the paradigm shifting that needs to take place on the front end is helping people recognize the need to embed their lives and the gospel into a local context and and then birth the church out of that. So that's a that's a big piece. Sometimes like I said, we we call it front loading mission, you know, and it hap- it still happens all the time. I'll have a church planter uh, you know, tell me that they are, you know, moving to Kansas City to plant a church. And not too long ago, I had a guy six months before he moved here. You know, he made a couple of trips to the city, but six months before he moved here, he mailed me his church planting prospectus, and it was about hmm. 25 pages long. It had his vision statement, core values, and his mission statement, and his logo, and his strategy. And, uh, and that's just crazy. You know, he, he didn't even know for sure what part of the city he was going to plant, but he had already you know, at least in his mind, in his head, had, had, it, had it all figured out. And I just don't think it works like that anymore. We, you know, one of the huge paradigm shifts that we teach on is it's about participation in the Missio Dei, or it's participation in the mission of God. And if it's really about the mission of God, I mean, if it's really about what God is doing, then we have to slow down and discover exactly what is God doing. And then we need to discern how does God want us to participate? So it's a it's just a huge point of discovering and discernment that that just can't happen from a distance. Uh, it only happens when we're in context. So we spend a lot of time talking about context. So I think go back to your question. You know, the, I think that's one of the first kind of biggest struggles is is to help guys slow down, become great at, at observing and, and become great listeners and then. Um, help that kind of shape and, 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 and form their ecclesiology. Mm. You've got a, a conference coming up that I know you're doing with like Hugh Halter uh, for Bivo church planners. And I, I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about that because I've got some questions on um, 
the the coaching, if you will, that you have with Bivo Church Planners. And and um, I'd kind of like to know your, first of all, why don't you tell everyone about the conference that you've got coming up? And then I want to talk more about the idea of the Bivo Church Planner and how you see your role in helping them um, and, and that kind of a thing. Sure. Um, yeah, so we've never done this before, but... Um, it goes back, I think you guys know, uh, Hugh Halter wrote a, a little book last year called Bivo. And, you know, he was just seeing, and of course, I, I don't think there's any planter that uh, speaks into this better than Hugh does. I think he's just very gifted. He's got lots of experience. He's planted two churches as a Bivo. Uh, he started a couple of businesses. So I just think Hugh has a lot of experience. And I think he thinks really well about how to leverage all of the Kind of resources God gives us. Uh, so we there's two things Hugh and I are doing. One is we're actually next month starting some Bivo cohorts. Uh, we're going to do one in Kansas City starting in February. And what it is is just a six month cohort that'll all be online. It'll just involve uh, an online forum and it'll involve a, a, a monthly webinar where we're going to work through six topics that are. Uh, that relate to, to bivocational ministry. But then in August, what you were referencing is we're actually going to do a bivo conference uh, in Denver. Uh, Denver Seminary is going to host it. It's going to be on uh, August 7th and 8th. That's a Friday and Saturday. Friday night, Hugh lives just outside of Denver. They have a little ranch. Friday night, we're going to have everybody come out to the ranch and just, you know, we'll have fire pits going and do a big barbecue and just a time to hang out. But we're really going to focus on um, what what Hugh calls the five knacks of bivo bi- bivocational ministry, just to really help folks think well about are they wired to do this? Because it does take some gifting, I think, as it relates to you know kind of spinning multiple plates. Mm. But the part about it that really excites me when when uh, Hugh and I started talking about this is not only to to encourage and resource guys that are already bivocational, but the part that excites me even more than that are the people that are already working full-time jobs or in the business world, but, but they know God is calling them to start something. It might be a group in their home. It's a missional community. It's a church. They're not sure, but they're not, they just don't know how do I start something while I'm working full-time. Um, I think that's a little piece of the wave of the future is that we need to start fresh expressions of Ecclesia. Uh, it, it might be at the workplace. It's certainly in neighborhoods and in other places in social space, third places. So that's the part that really excites me about the bivocational uh, conversation is helping those people that are already full-time in full-time jobs kind of crack open their imagination to see how can they plan a church while they're doing that. And one of the keys is that expression of Ecclesia or that type of church has to be simple. Uh, it, you know, we, again, to go back to, we can't front load, we can't take what someone else is doing, you know, with a big Sunday morning launch, you're not going to be able to pull that off while you're working full time, but there are legitimate and necessary expressions of church that I think, uh, we need to see happen and that are going to happen with, with Bivo folks. Hmm. Yeah. You know, one of the questions that I've, I've got as a follow up to that, and I, by the way, I really like where you're going with that. I mean, I love the idea of going to business owners who are already thinking, hey, there's something more that I, I know I should be doing. As we've talked about on our podcast many times, I mean, that's kind of what got me to working with Peyton 
is that's all I've done is start businesses, start businesses, run them, sell them or quit them, whatever the, the cause might need to be there at the end. And so I love that that aspect. But one of the the most common questions that we get from the you know thousands of church planners that either listen to the podcast or read the magazine, they whenever they hear that that's what my background is, they're always like, well, you know, I've got to do something Bible. I've got to find a way to make more money um, while I'm doing this church plant thing. Is that like an area? Do you sit down with church planners and say, well, you know, maybe you should look at doing this for income or I mean, or is it just kind of like, I mean, does that question even make any sense? You know, do, do you help them with figuring out what they can do as their Bible vocation or um, or is it just kind of like you trust that they've got something and we're just going to add to the ministry side to it? Well, it's both of those. I mean, yeah, without a doubt. In fact, with the Bivo conference, we're going to have people come in that have started businesses. I mean, there's three of them. They're all in some way associated with coffee. I mean, some's roasters, a couple of them are coffee shops. Uh, and and then the, the place where I like to speak into that part of the conversation is um, in both the things that I've written in the past. And, and, and actually, Lance and I are working on another book now that I'm, my portion of the book is just going to be what I call a theology of place. And a big part of that has to do with third places. So, uh, and a big part of third places is I believe that in some cases we need to create third places. So we actually need to create places of neutrality or common ground in our cities where people can connect with other people. And in many cases that uh, those are not always, but in many cases, those are coffee shops. And I'm very encouraged. I mean, I could tell you a dozen different church planters I know right now, two in Kansas City, Little Rock, Colorado Springs, Dallas, Fort Worth, Seattle, that planters have started coffee shops as businesses, and they're birthing a faith community or a church out of the community that's being built in that coffee shop. So, yes, there will be some conversation about starting of businesses. It might be a used bookstore. It's a thrift store. You know, it's a coffee shop. Uh there's other, we're going to have other guys come in that can speak to things that they've started. Um, you know, there, there's women that have done all kinds of things around jewelry and, and fashion and clothing. And so I do think we need to kind of crack open our imagination on what, what does it look like? You know, for, for Hugh, uh, he was a, he was a house painter and he planted two churches as he, as he painted houses. So, you know, I, in some cases, I think we can share some, uh, some business ideas, but uh, in others, it's it's going to be to help people leverage the way God's already gifted them. Mm. So for them to see how has God gifted them, you know, is it teaching? Is it starting something? You know, whatever, what skills might they have? And then we want to talk about then how can we leverage those skills uh, towards church planting? Mm. So if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And you're kind of synonymous. You and I, I always, I always see you and uh, Lance Ford kind of together, right? I, I pro- kind of probably like Pete and I, right? We're kind of like uh, we're called the Beavis and Butthead of church planning. I'm so which, you guys are like which the, one? Which one's Butthead? <laughs> I think I'm Beavis for sure. <laughs> you know, I am the Great Cornolio. Uh-huh. Yes, you are. <laughs> We'll stop now because uh, yes. I'll, I'll keep going on that. But um, I think of you and Lance as kind of like the Bert and Ernie of missional, right? Um, you guys are always together. It's your constant message. 
and uh, and Bert and Ernie only because um, you, uh, you you're you're inseparable. You two, you appear at conferences together. You're writing books together, and I think you guys make a good tag team, right? Um, but but here's a deal. Um, like obviously you got centralized coming up. That's really the the whole thrust behind the centralized conference. Talk about that real quick, and then I want to come back and ask you some questions about missional church planning. Okay. Yeah. So again, as, as both of you guys know, uh, Centralize is a conference that Lance and I started about five years ago. We've done it in Kansas City for four, uh, three years, and we did it in Dallas one year. We've done it in Costa Mesa. Um, but what we decided in 2015 to do that's a little bit different is instead of trying to do one big conference, you know, whether seven, eight, nine hundred people, we just felt like it was uh, more effective to do regional conferences. So just last week, we did one in Chicago. Uh, February um, 12th and 13th, we're going to do another one here in Kansas City. So there are much smaller, more intimate regional events where instead of having 40 speakers, you know, we have 12. But really what Centralize is all about, um, I like to say it's really two or three things. Um, first off is, is just the dissemination of ideas. I mean, I really believe as it relates to the existing church in North America and as it relates to uh, church planting in North America, um, we have to be thinking, uh, we need to be thinking well about the missionary nature of the church. And unfortunately, too, for me personally, I believe too much of the training that is presented uh, across the country is on how to do church better. And mm -hmm. I'm just not convinced that, that our our pastors and leaders and church planters need need another training on how to do church better. So the so centralized is really about helping people recapture the missionary nature of God, the missionary nature of the church, how to engage the mission of God in our local context. So like our theme for all of our regionals this year is Jeremiah 29 seek the welfare of the city. So we want to help people you know discover what's God doing in their city, what does it look like to discern how God wants us to participate, how can we network and partner with others in our cities for the sake of the city? So we're doing one, like I said, in Kansas City. Um, so one of the reasons dissemination of ideas. Secondly, and we really work hard on this. I feel like, especially in the missional conversation, uh, we need to elevate the voice of women. Uh, mm -hmm. Too often, you know, we just hear from men, and uh, the reality is, we joke about this, but a lot of times, I think women are better at a missional incarnational posture than men are. And, and a lot of times uh, they're just so busy doing it, they don't have time to write about it. Yeah. <laughs> so the guys are out there writing while the women are getting it done. So we work really hard at trying to uh, kind of highlight and elevate the voice of women, especially in light of missionality. Uh, and then the third thing is we really want people to feel like they're a part of a tribe. Uh, when yeah. people attend and are a part of Centralize, we want them to recognize if they're on this journey, that they're not on the journey by themselves, uh, but they're re they really are a part of a family or a tribe. So, uh, you know, for example, and again, Peyton knows about this, but um, we have never had and never will have, this is just a little example, green rooms at the conferences because we tell anybody that participates or speaks at the conference that, look, we want you available to all the participants of the conference before you speak, after you speak. I mean, there is no Christian celebrity yeah. crap. <laughs> you know, yeah, we're all on this. Uh, we're all on this journey together. So, uh, and and you know what's cool is the people that we ask to participate. And, and that's why they, that's why I've never agreed to to speak. Just throwing <laughs> that out there. 
<laughs> That's right. Because he needed the blue M&Ms and, you know, we're just not going oh, yeah. there. Even for Pete, we're not going no. there. No, so. Pete, Pete has purple M&Ms. Oh, okay. Oh, well, special we order. Special order. order. So that's, yeah, so that's a little bit about centralized. So later in the year, we're going to do one in Portland or Seattle. Um, and we'll do another one in Dallas in September. So that's a little bit about the centralized conference. Your, your regionals, cool, how, how big are those since they're, uh, they're regional? Well, now? like here in Kansas City in February, we'll probably have about 200. Um, that's so really nice. Not, I mean, that's just not. a small group. You can get to know yep. the other people at the, the conference. And you can really reach out to the... Uh, the celebrity guest speaker that's no longer a celebrity. That's awesome. That's right. Yeah. In fact, in Chicago, just last week, uh, we, we were right at a hundred. So, uh, but we had a great space for that, that number of people. And that's what people just said over and over again. It's just how much they, they appreciated the intimacy. The, they appreciated just the opportunity to dialogue with everybody who, you know, it was kind of a casual, slow pace of things. And, and, uh, I loved it. So, yeah, we're looking forward to doing that again next month here in Kansas City. Awesome. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. You know, you said a point, and then we're going to have to to wrap up, but I, I just want to confirm that um, it doesn't matter where it is. When I was in the U.K., I've been here in the States. The the church planners that I mentor and the guys that I, I, I work with, um, the amount of stories I get back where it's it's what the, the, the women have done in the church. Like you said, I, I agree 100%. Oftentimes they're just better at that missional incarnational posture. And it, it just happens. Like that's exactly um, where we've seen the most pop, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. One of the church planners I'm working with right now, um, he's, he's our uh, LA coordinator, Charlie Marquez um, for Newbreed. He actually, his wife is amazing. I mean, she is just you hear about the the life of what's happening. Charlie's like working like a dog, right? He's a, a I think he's running like a plant somewhere, um, some engineering thing. But his wife is just a church planting animal, and it's just you know he always laughs and says, "Man, she's basically planting this thing." And uh, you know, yeah, I I think whenever the spirit of God has moved as well. Um, the Methodists, you know, you, you see women, Wesley recognize, Hey, we need to let these women do stuff. He actually had women preachers, you know, the Lollards man, back in the, in the, uh, the reformation period, they had women doing stuff that, I mean, we could go on, right? You're, right. you're the doctorate, you taught church history, you know, more about this than I do, but I just, I love the fact that you bring that up. I think that's so important. But, uh, Hey man, you know what? We want to thank you for coming on. Um, Pete, make up a, a catchphrase quick, man, because we're coming to the end. And hey, I don't want to say my lame one. Come on. Just remember, if you're called a church plant, go hardcore or go home. <laughs> you can't steal mine and just mock it. It's you got to so, make up your own. It's so bad. I have to use it. Like, I'm drawn to it. Just I think, I think I'm going to start using it. Yeah, baby. Go home. Well, maybe not. Go hard, go hardcore or go home. That's all I'm saying, baby. All right. Well, hey, this has been Hardcore Church Planning. Thanks for joining us today, Brad. Awesome having you on here. Again, if you want to go check out uh, Brad's books, it's Missional Quest. You can go to Centralized. Uh, is it Centralized.com, Brad? Yeah, Centralized.com. And remember, Centralized is with an S. So it's S E N T R A L I Z E D dot com. 
You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planning. Hardcore Church Planning has been brought to you by The Church Planner Podcast and The Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.